Welcome women. Here we talk about sovereign and instinctual womanhood and motherhood, the call to women's work, and so much more. I'm Bethany Wild, an author, mother, and mentor for women's wellness practitioners who want to deepen their knowledge of holistic womb and pelvic care. And I'm so glad that you're here. Hey there, I hope everyone is doing well. I know there is a lot going on astrologically in September of 2022 that a lot of us are feeling, and I personally have been going through a lot of changes underground where I've been going through this desire to expand in my work as the last many years there's been a really big focus for me. and. Now I'm asking myself the question, you know, what's next? What's next after healing? And the word that keeps coming to me is thriving. So anyway, I don't want to get into it too much as these changes are still very much gestating within me and I'm not quite sure the path that it's going to take. I know this podcast is a big part of it in my expansion of the topics that I'm interested in that I cover. Um, But I'm here for it and I'm going to take it all one step at a time, tuning into my intuition as I do with everything. And I find that it all ends up making a lot more sense in retrospect. So I'm excited about this episode today because I have envisioned this podcast being more than just solo episodes of me talking about some of my stories and opinions and educating on different topics. That's definitely a comfort zone for me. But I also was visioning it being, you know, conversations with my friends and hearing birth stories and hearing power stories, medicine stories, hearing just women stories that I find impactful. And so how this conversation came about is Rain actually reached out to me. I posed a simple, you know, one-liner prompt to my community that I was looking for women who had stories of freeing themselves. And I felt quite open to what that would, could bring in. And she reached out to me because the story of her freeing herself was deeply entwined with her births, even though they weren't births you know, that I would normally have featured like births outside of the system and free births, but how her birth story helped free her from a relationship and helped her step into her strength and her power as a mother, despite this relationship being a continuation of childhood trauma, which we know is like this incredibly difficult pattern to break, but she really did this through her journey of becoming a mother. It freed her and it seemed so effortless in that sense. And I love that so much. And I felt a good feeling in my heart when I was talking to her before this conversation. So I have her here with me today and she's going to be sharing the stories of her births and how They've led her to the woman she is now, how she's found power and freedom through her experiences, and we'll hear how it has led her to the work that she does today. And for me, the focus is on, you know, again, how her births have changed her as a woman, how she 
Um, she does talk about birth within the system, like I mentioned, and how she actually would do it differently next time. So I appreciate that lens. Um, but you know, her births are sweet and simple and it's, you know, she doesn't carry a trauma from them and it's, they're sweet stories. Um, and then we're going to talk about her work in the world and the way that she sees health and wellness and, the power of detoxifying your life and all of what she shares is so resonant with my own approach and just intuitive feelings and as you can see I still have a lot to learn so let's dive into this conversation Hey, so Rain, thank you for being here with me. I would love to start with your birth stories. Um, if you want to take us back a few years to when you conceived your first child uh, and whether it was something you and your partner did consciously or whether it just happened and kind of what was going on in your life at the time, um, you know, like what was your relationship to motherhood? What did you know about birth going into it? And I'd love to just start from there and then you can take us through that first pregnancy and birth experience. Yeah, so I was always a woman who said, oh, I, I never wanna have kids. I was always like very in tune with children. I always was taking care of children. My parents called me like a little mom because I was always with them, but I internalized the fear around motherhood, especially childbirth, and also the sense of powerlessness that women had in society. And I didn't want to be a part of that. Um, so when I got pregnant, it's funny because I had maybe said a day earlier to someone who was like, oh, when are you guys going to have kids? I told them like, no, I'm never going to have kids. It's never going to happen. Um, and then the next day I found out I was pregnant and it was not something that I tried to do. I knew that I was ovulating. I knew that he should not have <laughs> done what he did while I was ovulating. Um, but it wasn't something that I went out of my way to prevent as well. I think in that moment, now looking back on it, it was a, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen situation. And I'm eternally grateful for that because it completely changed my life in the most wonderful way. Um, but the man I was with was not a person who was healed. I came from a childhood of neglect and abuse. And I didn't think that I was seeking that out in my current relationship, but I was. Um, he had a problem with alcoholism. And I stayed with him for, from when I was 17 until I was 20. Um, I moved across the country with him. I had no friends or family. 
that's kind of a recipe for disaster <laughs> as far as that goes. Um, so I really had no support system once I figured out like, oh, this is not good. Like I can't stay in this relationship. Um, so when I got pregnant, uh, I was six weeks pregnant and we had people over to our apartment and he got really drunk, blackout drunk, um, which wasn't abnormal for us. Like I drank a lot before I was pregnant and I was kind of doing a complete 180 throughout my life now, like I was eating junk food, I was not taking care of myself. So this was normal behavior, um, but he crashed a motorcycle outside of our apartment and I had to hide him from the police because I thought like, oh, he's gonna go to jail, like he's drunk. I was like, oh, well, well I'll just hide him until he's sober, everything will be fine. And luckily it was just like a ticket situation, but that was my first moment of like, what am I doing? Like I'm, I have a baby in me. I am crying at 2 a.m. that my child's father is going to go to jail. Like, is this what I want for my child? And after that moment, it, it was starting to put my foot down and it was a very like tedious process because I had never set any boundaries with anyone who had ever abused me. Um, and previous to my pregnancies, he had gotten drunk and pushed me and strangled me and I believed that because he was drunk it was a drinking issue separate like it it didn't count as abuse because he was drunk <laughs> which sounds so ridiculous to say out loud right now um so we fast forward, I'm around 20 weeks pregnant. Um, there's no problems between then and now. And he, you know, goes out, gets super drunk and he comes back and I, obviously we're in a fight because I'm like, you're not supposed to be getting this drunk. Like, what are you doing? And he pushes me. And even though he was so drunk, he realized in that moment, like, oh no, like what's going on right now? And from then I, I kicked him out for a week and then he came back and I told him if it happens again, if he got that drunk again, we were done. Um, so I am learning about medicalized birth in a natural setting. I read like Ina May's guide to childbirth and like all of those things, but I was scared. I was really, really scared. I had never seen a woman be in power 
in motherhood or especially in birth. Um, so I thought that I needed the medical establishment. I thought that they would save me and I would be protected <laughs> and all of these silly things. Um, and I was at UC Davis for my birth. So it was really nice. Like they were hands off. Um, I had a tub that I labored in. I had volunteer doulas who really helped me through my labor. I had terrible back labor. Um, so they were applying counter pressure for like eight hours, which, wow. <laughs> wow. I can't even imagine doing that. Um, so I'm really thankful for them. Um, I finally have my baby Earthside, and I immediately felt like I I can do anything. I I was in so much pain that I was begging for the nurses to kill me. Like I just wanted it to end, and I couldn't fathom being in that much pain and being alive and then coming through that and knowing, oh, I am alive. Like I experienced that and I'm alive and I am out of pain now. Like I have nothing wrong with me now besides like, you know, normal. <laughs> I just had my first baby out of my vagina of <laughs> pain. Um, but I think in that moment, it was just like a total euphoria of I'm a different person. Like I, I, I can't even explain it. <laughs> I felt like I had so much power um, and everything was fine for 10 months. Um, you know, I was breastfeeding. We didn't have any problems with like my son or anything like that. Um, his dad was going to school and midterms came around and someone suggested that they go get a drink after midterms. And he was gone for over eight hours. I didn't know where he was. I didn't know like what he was doing at that point. Um, and I'm at home with our 10 month old baby and I'm an anxious mess. I'm shaking. I can't think straight. And that was it. That was the moment where I was like, this can't happen. Like I can't even be a mother right now. And my son gave me that power because I, I couldn't have done it for me. Obviously I was with him for five years where I was constantly put in these situations that harmed me and I couldn't release him for myself. But as soon as I realized like, oh, I can't be the person that I need to be for my child. And that was it. I kicked him out. I started going to like painting classes by myself 
because I was so scared of being alone. I was like, I need to just do it. I need to go be alone in public. I need to show people how alone I am and I need to be okay in that. And I went rock climbing because I'm scared of heights. And I just started to do all these things that went against who I believed I was because I knew inside there was a woman who thought the amount of pain she was in was going to kill her and lived. So nothing now is going to kill me. I'm invincible. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that, that part of your story just gave me like goosebumps, just the level of pain you went through. And it feels like that was like this activation for you and initiation, like the depth of that pain, just like, yeah, it's like you needed to go through all of that to become, to step into the strength that you did. It's just, yeah, just the way you spoke about it really touched me. Yeah. yeah and I'm so curious to that in between period, that postpartum period, um, like the time between your first child and your second child, what did you, were you living with your mother? Um, like, did you work? What did you, did you ever feel? It sounds like you didn't even look back as far as going back to your partner. You just went forward. Like, what did your life look like in between the two? Um, so I lived in an apartment by myself and thankfully it was a low income apartment. So it was super easy for me to do by myself as a single mom. Um, I had an in-home daycare that I really just threw myself into. Um, I was just taking care of myself for the first time ever, like making sure all of my needs were met. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's a great way to be with your child and making money. It sounds like yeah, such a great path for a single mom who still wants to be with her baby. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, anything else you want to share about that period? And I'd love to hear what comes next after this period of being with yourself and learning about yourself and healing all these old wounds by just honoring your needs and everything that you did during that period. Yeah, so I think the my son being born was the catalyst that my soul needed to really go through the reckoning of everything else. Um, so shortly after I, you know, I'm working in my home with my child, I am taking care of all of these things by myself. And I, you know, I have a prolapse that has happened. Um, and so I start doing yoga to heal that. And I start to notice that I'm getting these symptoms of like an autoimmune disorder. And I was so lucky in my births that I didn't have birth trauma, but I did have trauma in the hospital shortly after my birth. And so I, I didn't want to step into the medical establishment at that point. I was like, 
this, this isn't the way for me. And I didn't know what that really meant at that point. Um, so I just kind of ignored it. <laughs> I ignored the fact that like when I would get a bug bite, my arm would swell like three inches off my arm. Um, and it kept getting worse. I started to reintroduce meat into my diet. I was plant-based throughout my pregnancy. Um, and before that, because I didn't believe I deserved to have meat. I didn't believe that humans deserved to have nourishment. Um, so I started to reintroduce meat to my diet because my, my now husband, my boyfriend at the time, um, ate meat and I was, you know, a people pleaser. And I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just start eating meat. And like looking back at it, I wish I wouldn't have done that, but I'm glad that I did. I'm, I'm thankful that my people pleasing did something good for me. <laughs> so I started to reintroduce meat. I was having irregular periods, so I wasn't able to tell my son was like two at that point. I wasn't really able to tell like when I was ovulating, if I was ovulating. And that was kind of like a warning sign. Um, but I got pregnant accidentally again <laughs> in March of that year. Um, yeah. And how old was your first child again at that point? He was two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I got pregnant and my symptoms completely went away. Like I did not have any autoimmune symptoms once I was pregnant. Um, and I just kept doing what I was doing. We moved to Canada during that time. Um, and then <laughs> I had my son right before COVID lockdowns and as soon as I had him, it, it all came roaring back. It was, you know, my, my back was hurting and I would be inflamed over every little thing. I was constantly bloated. I just couldn't figure out what was wrong. And I, at that point, knew I couldn't go into a hospital. Like I saw what was kind of going on and I knew if I went into a hospital they wouldn't help me they would just drug me and I knew that I could heal myself and I think that's part of like going through all that pain and you know nothing could take me out of that pain there is you know I was in a hospital no one could help me get out of that birthing pain um and so I knew this was something that I had to do myself and I you know, learned everything was toxic. <laughs> I started throwing out everything that we had and getting things that weren't toxic and making my own things when I couldn't do that. Um, and I started to see my oldest son who was always a crazy boy, very attached to me as a baby, which is totally normal. Uh, but he was especially so like, couldn't sleep without touching me every 20 minutes and just very 
just a crazy kid. <laughs> just always go, go, go. Couldn't rest ever, which is, I think, the biggest red flag for me of like, oh, this isn't normal. Like he can't rest ever. So I started to see that he was coming down from that and able to relax. And I dove deeper into what we were eating and what was in our food and how we should have been eating because I believed, oh, meat is bad for you. Like I was only eating meat because it was convenient with my partner eating meat. I didn't really have a reason behind it. And then I realized, oh, we should be eating more meat. (laughs) We should be eating organs. We should be eating like all of these things. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And you did this work during your pregnancy and Yeah. So it started during my pregnancy, but I don't feel like I really got into it until after I was not pregnant anymore because my symptoms had went away. Um, Right. So you had the motivation after. Okay. So let's go back to your second birth. I'm curious to hear about what that was like. Did you do anything differently? I mean, you had a good experience the first time. So yeah, if you would take us back to that birth experience. Yeah, I think at that point, going to the hospital, I was like, I, I didn't want to go. And I didn't know that I could just not go. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing. Um, I wish I did. Because I, every fiber of my being was saying, like, I don't want to go to the doctor's office. I don't see the need in checking my blood pressure and weighing me and like, all of these things, like I'm fine. I feel fine. I know my baby is fine. I don't need to be here. Um, so I skipped a lot of appointments and I was in Canada at that time. So they were a bit more, um, progressive in the way that they didn't regularly name mothers like the American medical industrial complex does. So they, kind of let me do my own thing. Um, I reached 42 weeks and I want to say three days, something around there. And my in-laws were in town from California. And I was like, I don't know if this baby's going to come. I don't know when this baby's going to come. I don't want to have no support. And so I did end up getting an induction and they tried a few different things. We ended up with Pitocin and I just had Pitocin for five hours. Baby was earthside. I didn't have to get any pain medications for that because Pitocin labor is a breeze compared to back labor. Really? (laughs) Yeah. So that was a quick birth. Yeah. Both of your births were quite fast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once my son, my first son, once he was, once my water broke and he was engaged, he was out within 20 minutes. And I don't think that was the best situation because I did have a lot of tearing with that. Um, But my second son was kind of the same way and I didn't have as much tearing. Um, Yeah. They come out really fast. (laughs) So how was that postpartum experience for you? 
it was a bit better because I actually had some support. I had my in-laws there for two weeks, which is really nice. You know, I had a three-year-old at the time, um, almost three-year-old, and it was nice to actually be able to relax. Um, when I had my first son, I had to do all of the things right away. I was, you know, carrying laundry up and down stairs. I <laughs> was doing way too much stuff. Um, but so the second time was good. And my husband at the time was, or still my husband, <laughs> my husband um, was really supportive and was helpful and was really connected to our child, which I really enjoyed seeing him make that change. It was his first child. So yeah, mm -hmm. it was really good. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I'm curious, just since the way that you talk about the breast, like it sounds very nice and hands off and like, you didn't really carry any trauma from that, from those births. And so it makes me just wonder, like, if you were to do it again, would you do anything differently? Um, how do you see those births now? Just reflecting on it? Do you feel yeah. How does it feel just thinking about those births? Yeah, I think I made decisions that were in tune with what I knew at the time, and I didn't know very much. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so now knowing what I know, I would not step into the medical industrial complex unless it was absolutely necessary, which in my pregnancies and in my labors, it was not, I did not have to be there for any part of it. Um, I have a lot more trust in my body and in my babies than I did at that time. Um, I think that was part of why I got an induction for my second. Um, I didn't trust that he was going to come. I thought... <laughs> because my mother-in-law had been pregnant for 44 weeks with all her kids that like, oh, he's just never gonna come and I'm gonna have to get an induction anyway. But that definitely played into, it had to have, that he didn't come when I thought he was supposed to. Um, so I, yeah, I would not do what I did. <laughs> I think I made choices that were in line with my views at the time, but I, I didn't know anything then. Yeah. It's very ignorant. <laughs> well, that makes sense. I mean, I feel like we need models and it's hard to conceive of something we haven't seen before. I think, yeah, if I hadn't heard birth stories and other women birthing a certain way and doing pregnancy a certain way before I got pregnant, I have no idea. I might've just hired a midwife and had all the things done. And so yeah, I see our stories as just so, so important to inspire us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wanna hear, I mean, you shared a little bit about how giving birth just changed you as a woman, especially the first time. And I wanna hear how the second one changed you too, if it, I mean, of course each birth changes us. 
So I want to hear just how, yeah, how you feel like it changed you and initiated you and just into the woman that you are now. Yeah. So I feel like with my first, it was the initiation into my power. And then with my second, it was a reaffirming of you, you know exactly what you're doing. You have this innate ability within you and going through it a second time and now realizing, oh, I, I know how to do all of these things. These things are so easy to me. It was, <laughs> it was kind of like, why do we not give women the credit that is so justly deserved? <laughs> Like raising humans is such a huge task to undertake. And we're able to do it so effortlessly. <laughs> Maybe not effortlessly, but we're able to do it. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like he gave me reassurance I don't think that's the right word he gave me just knowing just the power to stand up and say I know this this is something that I know and I am not afraid to tell you that I know it now yeah I feel that in you <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love that. I feel like that is the initiation right there, just an unshakable knowing. It's just the mother who's intact. And yeah, that's beautiful. Hmm. Is there anything else you want to share about? those experiences. I'd love to kind of move into your work. I didn't actually know that you had a prolapse and just hearing about your first um, postpartum experience, it kind of, some of those pieces make sense with like not being able to rest. And so I want to hear about how you are working with that, if you've healed it. Um, and then there's so many other health things I want to talk about from your work so yeah I just want to hear about that first yeah so I didn't realize at the time that I had a prolapse um now learning all the things that I've learned I know I had a prolapse but I thankfully couldn't go see a midwife about it I like showed up to the appointment and was told that I couldn't see her and I remember crying in my car like, oh my God, my vagina's broken. And what am I going to do? Because I, I had a vaginal prolapse. And so like my vagina was coming out of the hole. And that was really rough for me, especially being a single mom. And, you know, I'm already feeling super inadequate because I'm a single mom. Because there's that stigma that comes along with it. Like, oh, I'm not good enough because... I don't have a man here to raise my child, <laughs> even though that was his own choice. Um, so I started doing 
yoga originally for my back pain. I had super terrible back pain after I had my first son. I at one point was on the floor, couldn't get up. And I, I have a daycare. So I have these kids running around and I can't even get off the floor because my back is in so much pain. And doing cat cows, which now I know is a transverse abdominal exercise, <laughs> um, really helped me move. Like I was able to get off the floor after I did that. And I was like, okay, like this is something that I'll just keep doing. And it ended up healing my prolapse. Um, and I think part of that was reintroducing meat into my diet. Cause that all kind of happened at the same time where I met my now husband and I started eating meat again. And that's when I started to see the biggest differences in how I felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I see that as a big part of it too. And that's so interesting um, that you have that lived experience of being vegetarian and seeing what happens and your body not able to like have that resiliency to hold. And then just, yeah, without doing any other work, just eating meat and some yoga, just, just result for you. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What I'd love to hear from you about um, is something that we talked about before this call. Um, just how you view this, this truly holistic health picture. You know, we were talking about remineralizing and how popular that is right now and how there's this, like all these focuses um, on all these different topics and like, that's the thing, that's the thing. And yeah, just your take on it was pretty interesting to me since that was something I was focusing on and thought I just had to, that's just something I have to do for the rest of my life. Now I'm gonna need to do the adrenal cocktails and the magnesium and the, all the things. Um, so <laughs> yeah, this is what you work with women on, right? It's just like coming back into true holistic wellness through food. So I'd love to just hear about how you, how you do that in your picture, how you view health and how to be healthy. Yeah. So I think remineralizing is super, a super great thing to do. I think most people have to do it. Um, but I think when we're viewing, I mean, it goes with all of these things. Um, I think when we're viewing something as like, we need to keep supplementing, we're not looking at the actual picture of why are you supplementing? Um, so for something like you're supplementing with magnesium for the rest of your life, why are you running through so much magnesium and how can you adjust your life so that way you're not burning through all of this magnesium? Um, at some point you should be able to fill the tank and then just top it off when you need to versus, you know, always needing to refill it completely. Um, so yeah, I think the next big thing will be the microbiome and you'll see a lot of people talk about how you need to do all of these special things to have your bugs back in order and they're going to have a special test for it. And 
you know, you're going to have to pay a lot of money for that test and there's going to be coaching courses for it. And it's all the same. <laughs> and it's really just do the simple things, do the simple things, do them often, you know, get outside, uh, touch the ground, <laughs> move your body, eat nourishing foods and let go of trying to be perfect. And those are the things that you have to do and you'll be healthy. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And that just feels so peaceful in my body to think about that. And so your approach then is not worrying about the tests. Um, so how do we know, like if a woman starts she starts eating meat for the first time. Um, she's probably really depleted because she's been vegetarian or vegan for a while. Like she's on this process of eating nourishing foods, maybe supplementing. Like how does she know when she's done with the supplements? And is it just gauging how she feels? Is that, I mean, is it really just as simple as that? Yeah, so a test is going to tell you what you could tell yourself. Um, so I think testing is great if you are completely detached from your body, you have no idea what's happening, um, but it doesn't solve the problem of why you're so detached from your body and it doesn't give you the power to come back into that. It detaches you from your power because you think, oh, well, I didn't know that all of these things were depleted. And this test told me, and this person showed me. And so now I need to keep going to this person so they can tell me that the test is showing this and I can do this thing now. Um, I think we all have this powerful ability to tell when we are healthy. <laughs> and if we are really tuning into that, and listening to ourselves and paying close attention to one day to the next, what has changed? How do I feel? What am I not dealing with emotionally? You know, what am I trying to ignore? Then we can come back into alignment with that alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that reflects, that's exactly the same in terms of like pregnancy testing and testing in general. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Right. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people are scared to not do the test because they're like, what if I have cancer suddenly? Um, but cancer doesn't develop overnight. <laughs> cancer is a thing that you have been ignoring for 10 years. Um, you know, you don't get a stroke overnight. You don't get cancer overnight. You don't get high blood pressure overnight. All of these things are a culmination of issues and they could be just emotional issues or they could be physical issues, um, that you've been ignoring. So for women, um, on this motherhood continuum, what do you think as 
is something that they need to, is there anything different for them that they should or need to be doing in terms of just replenishing themselves? Because it's a lot more of an output than just, you know, us in our regular lives. Like what additional work should a woman be doing? Or even just like in the preconception time too, just the whole continuum maybe. Yeah, I think if we're coming from a depleted state, the steps to a nourished state are all the same. Um, I think for mothers who are coming from a depleted state and then wanting to go back into a nourished state, it's going to take longer. Um, you've just given a bunch of your nourishment to your baby. You've given your baby a bunch of your minerals. And if you weren't... Um, having enough of those yourself before pregnancy and during pregnancy and it's obviously going to take longer to refill that post-pregnancy um i think a lot of women want it to happen overnight and i i understand that feeling <laughs> i would love to be healed overnight um but it takes time like you grew a human for 10 months and they took I think it's like 10% of your minerals and they probably took all of your vitamin A because you were not having organ meats <laughs> and all of these super important nutrients and it, it takes time to refill them especially if you are eating industrialized food that is already out of proportion with our, you know, metals, especially like iron, your body's already working harder because of that. And it's depleting things and it just takes time. Hmm. And then I think about your son and the process you did with him to detox him and you know, fill his cup again with ancestral foods. And yeah, do you think it was easier for him because he's so young and he doesn't have as much depletion to start with? Yeah, I think, I mean, he still is healing. Like he's still going through this process of getting rid of stuff. And I think a lot of it is trauma from when he was in utero and I was going through these things. And then even afterwards, um, like we went through a lot of trauma together and it takes a lot of time to heal those. And I think he, he'll probably have to heal a lot of it as an adult. Um, like there was a big difference when we started introducing meat again and cleaning up our products where he was able to be himself again. Um, for a while, it was like, he would just be so busy. You couldn't even, it's like you weren't even talking to him. Like you could be talking to him and he would just be somewhere else. Um, and now he's able to be present and he's able to rest and to calm down. But uh, I think a lot of it, it just, it takes time. <laughs> I, I hate, I think humans yeah. hate hearing that, that it takes so much time, but it does. No, I, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, it just makes me, I know there's, there's like a type of person that kind of focuses only on the nutrition and that's the source of every problem. And there's just emotional karmic trauma stuff to also work through. It's yeah. I just can't get behind anything anymore. That's just focused on just one thing. Cause it's just a whole picture. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, let's see. You posted something about why we shouldn't quit sugar. Um, or maybe you reposted it. And I found that really interesting. So I'm always, it just, you know, alerts me when there's something that I didn't know about or some myth is broken or something. And I went through this period 10 years ago where I read this book called Sugar Blues. And it was just like, sugar is evil. It's the worst thing causes every problem <laughs> in the body. <laughs> and now I hear all these women just put more sugar in your coffee and eat more sugar. Don't quit the sugar. It's really important fuel for your cells. And maybe you could just speak to that. Cause I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested in that. Yeah. So I think anything out of balance is going to be bad for you. And I think that's where the traditional American diet kind of falls into where we're eating a lot of polyunsaturated fats. We're eating a lot of grains we're not having a lot of organ meats. And then we are adding a bunch of sugar. And so sugar is fuel and it's going to help your liver process these things that you're working through, all these polyunsaturated fats, all the fillers in the meat and all the grains that you can't digest. Um, but it's, can cause issues if you are not nourishing yourself, if you are letting your blood sugar go crazy um, and not balancing it with fat and protein. And that's where all the stigma comes from. But on the flip side, if you're only having meat and you're never having any carbs, the same thing happens. Mm -hmm. um, but nobody that. likes to talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I'm kind of shocked that people can live like that, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, would, I, I don't like meat that much to eat it for every single meal, but yeah, I went through this period of not having, I I'll say I didn't have sugar, but I, it was very hard. <laughs> I, I could not go full keto and I didn't really want to, but I was only having natural sugars. And I found that was really difficult for, especially like going through a bunch of stress. I was still super stressed out. I was a single mom when this happened. Um, you know, I'm working through all this trauma and it was not the best move for me. I felt better off of sugar, better. I'll put it in quotations because I was running on pure adrenaline and cortisol. Mm -hmm. um, and I started supplementing with stevia because my body was craving sweets so much. And I was like, oh, I'm just broken. I'm wrong for wanting this sugar. Um, and so I started supplementing with stevia 
and that is when I lost my appendix. Oh my and, God. Yeah. And I, it really concerns me with people who don't understand that messing with your microbiome is a very serious issue and your body will scream at you and say, Hey, this I'm broken. Help <laughs> give me something. Um, and if you don't know enough to not step into the medical industrial complex, they'll just cut it out of you. Is that what happened to you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, so I went in and my appendix was a little bit inflamed. Like they could barely tell it was inflamed and they were like, we'll just cut it out. And I let them cut it out of me. And <laughs> I will probably never have a robust microbiome again because of it. Mm. So please eat your sugar, everyone. Eat your sugar. <laughs> Don't supplement with stevia. <laughs> I feel like I've heard, I could be wrong or confusing with a different plant, but I think stevia was used as a natural birth control mm -hmm. where it's grown. Have you heard that? I believe so. And yeah. I, I'll That's, make an important mm -hmm. distinction that the stevia that I was having was not the plant. It was like a the sugar, the crystalline. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was like a manufactured. Just, yeah. Yeah, there's something in that plant that just, yeah. Yeah, sure it's the same it. with papaya. So papaya is a natural birth control as well. Oh, okay. I didn't hear that. I've just heard of that more with enzymes for your, mm -hmm. your gut. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I believe the seed is an abortacant and the fruit men have and it diminishes their sperm hmm. I believe I may be getting them mixed up don't take my word on it <laughs> I'll look it up after this <laughs> yeah <laughs> hmm. so really we just want to be resilient so we can handle the sugar if we have a good nourishing diet but if we're just overloaded with toxins we're going to start breaking down basically right and hmm. I think sugar is an important piece healing like if you're craving sugar that's your body saying I am stressed out please help me I need more energy I'm so stressed out and that doesn't mean go eat a bunch of cake it means you know have some maple syrup with you know some cream it means have some dates and butter and syrup you know like do it smart, have fat, have protein with it. So that way you're not spiking your blood sugar and causing the stress response when you come back down. But it is important if you are stressed out to have some sugar. <laughs> Do you crave sugar still or? Not really. Um, like I will notice I just moved. So when I was moving, I was ha like having sugar cravings. Um, but I would just make some homemade ice cream with egg yolk and raw cream and sea salt, maple syrup and have that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just pleasure too. Yeah. The sugar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anything 
you want to share about the work that you do? Um, you know, you focus on re-nourishing the body and detoxing. And is there anything you want to share about that, that work that you do or? Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything that I want to specifically share. Um, like I don't sell myself <laughs> to, to women. Um, you know, if it feels in alignment that women need help getting toxic products out of their household, you know, like if you don't know what's on a label and you don't have the mental energy to go through it, that's what I'm for. <laughs> if you don't have the mental energy to come up with this new set of meals that are nourishing, that's what I'm for. Um, if you don't have the mental energy to learn all of these things about when you should be having your meals and you know, working in tune with your cycle and all of those little things, then that's what I'm for, but I am not necessary. <laughs> Any woman could learn this. Any woman could do it. Um, it just takes time. So if women feel in alignment with wanting to learn more, but just not knowing where to start, then I would love that they would work with me. <laughs> Well, I just want to thank you for coming on here and sharing your birth stories. I know from the outside listening, they can seem simple, but I know from sharing them that they're very intimate stories that we hold close to our hearts. So yeah, just thank you for sharing that and about your healing journeys and your son and weaving all these together and I just love how you described how motherhood helped you step into your power and you never really look back after that. So um, I, I feel that when I talk to you. Um, yeah, I just thank you for being here so much and I'm grateful to you for sharing your stories. Thank you for creating this space for me. I'm going to stop recording. Um.